Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tidewad Tech, episode 13, Backup PC, for the week of September 23rd, 2010. This will week. This will. This will. This will. <laughs> this week we'll be talking about uh, some basic backup strategy that we should all be doing, and none of us are. Uh, and then we'll move in specifically to the open source hard drive based backup utility called Backup PC, which is something I've been using for uh, ooh, about six years now. Um, actually, scrapped a very expensive setup for it, but we'll talk about that a little later on. Uh, so it's uh, at Backup PC is what we'll be talking about. But uh, first, uh, uh, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, uh, the fact that this is episode 13, and last week was episode 12. Yeah, no point five. That's right. We have, we've made the plunge, folks. We are now a weekly podcast. And as soon as we do that, uh, next week we probably won't be able to do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've got a, at least uh, some stuff coming up that uh, might make that happen, right? Um, Sean and I sat down the other day and uh, planned out uh, weekly podcasts uh, through the end of the year and uh, actually into February. Uh, so we have a roadmap and we have a direction we're going. Um, of course, uh, you never know what might happen in terms of being able to round up guests or, or things like that. So we're going to ask you to uh, cut us some uh, slack if, uh, if we don't uh, manage to make every week. But that's our goal right now, to be a uh, 52 times a year, to be right here on your pod player. Did, did you mention that we outline the rest of the year? Yes. Okay, so I, I'm still dealing Somebody with should be listening. You know, <laughs> clearly my co-host isn't listening to me, so I wonder yeah. if anybody else out there um, in in the the world is listening to me. Yeah. Um, Sometimes just, it just feels that way. <laughs> I do want to mention, of course, it won't do any good to those of you who are joining um, after the fact, but we are streaming live today. Uh, we posted uh, a, a tweet uh, on our uh, on our Twitter feed and a, and a Facebook update, letting you know. And um, here's our goal: our goal is to do every Monday afternoon around four o'clock Central Time. It may not work that way, but at this point, that seems to be the best day in our schedule to do it. Uh, and so we record it Monday. That gives me Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to to edit it. Uh, generally it doesn't take that long to do the editing, but it may take me three days to get around to doing the editing. Right. right. Um, and if we're a Thursday podcast, I like to have it ready when you wake up Thursday morning. Uh, so it really means I've got to get it out Wednesday. Well, pretty uh, much the way we expect ours, right? You right. know, it comes out on a certain day. You wanted it, you know, when you wake up that morning right. or at least for your drive to work. Right. I get up every morning at 4.30 and work out for a half an hour before I start my day, and I like to listen to podcasts when I do it. So I want my own podcasts ready at 4.30 in the morning, my time. So, you know, I, I'm expecting that you guys are, are going to be similar in that regard. Uh, so... um that's that's that means that if we record on Monday, essentially I have Tuesday and and part of Wednesday to edit it and and get it out there. So there's our goal, uh, to to record uh, every um, every Monday afternoon around 4 p.m. Central Time. Um, we both have a day job and we try not to let this impede on that. And so four o'clock is when we're sort of on our time and and we can do that. So uh, that's uh, that's the way we're gonna go. Uh, just yeah. so, just so you know. However, we do have uh, some things uh, coming up in the very near future that will probably derail that, and I'll let Sean talk about that. <laughs> right. Well, I've got a, another little one on the way here uh, very soon. Uh, 
we've got that actually scheduled for October 5th. So it's kind of funny how now you schedule these things. I'm going to have a baby on October 5th. Um, well, not only that, but they schedule them in the morning so it doesn't mess up their, their golf time. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I know all of our babies were born early in the morning because the doctor played golf. Literally, that's that was what it was. It yeah, was, get it knocked out and he can go take off around noon and go uh, take in 18, I guess. Uh, yeah, so, you know, that's coming up. So, uh, and, you know, we've talked about it. We don't know how that's going to go. Uh, Mark may just have on a, a, a guest or something and, and go ahead and bang out a show or uh, I may remote in from wherever I'm at. And we've so. done that before. One, once before, we uh, you joined us via Skype. But really, right. wherever I am is where the studio is. All I need is the mixer board and, and you know, and, and can go from there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we can, we'll, we'll make it work one way or the other. Sure. Um, so, uh, uh, just want to wave out there. We now have four people watching via UStream. So, uh, if, wow, UStream hasn't hasn't yeah been brought to their knees yet, huh? So, uh, if you four go out there and tell four other people about it, then that'll be um, um, uh, more. Many. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I really do know what that is. I'm just joking. Uh, and so, yeah, that's uh, that, that would be interesting. Uh, if you're out there listening, um, uh, please uh, go to thetightwadtech.com and uh, up at the top of the page. Uh, once you log in, if you don't have an account, you'll have to create one. Uh, you'll be able to log into the chat room up there, and uh, uh, we'll have a, a back channel going there. We'll be watching the chat room and and responding to uh, things that go on there. So if you're listening to us, you might as well join in the conversation you know that's going to put a real test to our our broadcasting expertise is now we have to throw one more thing into the mix right not just talking but now we've got to uh you know follow a chat and, and respond like you said so right. maybe we'll start to sound more like leo laporte now uh-huh uh-huh yeah yeah uh-huh <laughs> Yeah. Of course, you know, I, I promise not to be playing We Rule on my iPad while we do the show this week. Uh, let's see. Oh, you know what? Uh, one other thing, I guess, uh, while we're uh, we're still in this kind of front end of the uh, of the episode, I just had to bring this up because it was it, it just we don't bash on Windows enough. I know we love to bash on Mac, but <laughs> we certainly don't bash on Windows enough. And uh, this last week, I had to do a. Uh, well, some software I was installing required a certain version of Windows Media Player. And uh, so the latest version of Windows Media Player, you you go to the, the Microsoft download site, and when you go to actually download it, it says validate your Windows, oh, gosh. right? But this is at the web page. The Windows Genuine Advantage. Right. right? Yeah. So you validate there. And then it says, okay, good, you're validated. Here's your download. And it starts doing the download. <clears throat> then uh, you get done with the download and you, you click on the, the EXE and, you know, start uh, doing the installation. And what's the first thing it asks you? To validate again. Right. <laughs> so it just uh, because blew you my see, mind. You might have had somebody with a valid installation go get the file, hand it to you through some illicit method yes. that they could have bit torrented it. That's right. And you right. could have downloaded it through Napster, and then you might have it. Yeah, because um, I needed Windows Media Player so badly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But it, here's my question. What is the advantage to being to genuine advantage? There is no advantage. Right. Well, I've never clicked on that link. Yeah. <laughs> right? They always say, they, you've always yeah. got that link there that says, you know, click here to find yeah. out why. Well, I will say, uh, I had this conversation with a Microsoft rep uh, six, eight months ago uh, at the last state convention um, in, in Austin. And um, 
I asked him that very question, and his answer was security essentials and Windows Defender and this entire new suite of stuff is finally the advantage to Windows Genuine Advantage, that they're, they're finally getting around to actually giving you some things that are advantageous to being uh-huh. genuine. Okay. <laughs> and so, um, and Security Essentials, if you haven't used it, is it's pretty awesome. Um, yeah. It stays out of the way. It uses way less resources than any other antivirus I've ever used. And um, and it works. It, it's catching things, and, and uh, it, it keeps things nice and clean. So, uh, yeah, if you uh, run a Windows network out there and you've been wondering about the legality of it, I got it from the horse's mouth from a, a, a licensing professional at Microsoft that the only requirement for having security essentials is that you be genuine. Yeah, have so, a genuine license. Yeah, it's, it, people wonder, can you use it in schools? Can you use it in business? If you paid for the, the license of Windows, you can use Windows uh, security essentials. Hey, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm looking at. I was uh, just getting ready to respond to him. Uh, good to have you on, Chris. Uh, so, uh, and then one more thing I just wanted to mention. Uh, some of you guys have found us at the tightwadtech.com. We've got a few people in the chat room. We've got a few people listening online. Uh, but the spammers have definitely found us. And um, we've been doing some uh, some effort, some things uh, to uh, to keep the spammers at bay. Um, I don't want to go to a moderated uh, check-in where you have to, to beg permission to join the site. So I'm trying, right. to, trying to avoid that. And... Um, so um, there'll be some things popping up here and there. Uh, I want to keep as as unobtrusive as possible, but also keep those things out. Apparently, as much as we like BuddyPress, the spammers like it even more. Once I installed the BuddyPress plugins and and it and that set of, a suite of tools, uh, they just kind of went crazy with it. Um, uh, so uh, I say that the last week, like uh, when just after we did the show or when I was trying to post the show or something like that, yeah. uh, I had something uh, set up there that was actually blocking everybody. Every time somebody logged in, it said, bye-bye, spam bot. <laughs> so it was getting a little crazy. Um, so uh, that's, uh, you yeah, see, that's my, I'm just reading the chat room now. And <laughs> yes, thank you, I Chris. You. <laughs> You've distracted my train of thought. I can't talk and read at the same time. <laughs> so any hint of professionalism we had before, it goes out the window now that we're streaming live. Right. Maybe can we go back and rename this a point five? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's uh, let's get on to uh, the meat of the matter. We're going to be talking about backing up today, and uh, we just wanted to go over some uh, some of the basic strategies. Now, now you guys all know this, right? You're, most of our audience is tech professionals. Uh, a smaller subset of our audience is is technology teachers, but you're all technically literate, or you probably wouldn't be listening to this show. Um, hi, Kevin, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> that's that's a per, that's a friend of ours who's an avid listener who's not technical. So I just he's the exception oh, yes, to that rule yes. there. Um, so anyway, um, the uh, there are certain backup strategies that everybody knows you need to do, and we're gonna uh, gonna talk about those. But then we're also gonna be honest and say nobody ever does them. Uh, so you really need to have a three pronged backup strategy, right? You need two copies locally. Uh, be that, uh, you know, one in your, on your desktop and one of your my documents. Ideally, you want to have two, two copies just on the same hard drive. And then you want at least another copy on another hard drive physically separate from your machine. Um, be another machine on the network or, uh, a USB drive. I know Sean has, has talked before about his little, uh, backup scenario he has at home. Why don't you uh, talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, uh, I've got an external. 
that I bought and uh, just have them, you know, automatically mirroring each other. So with the software that came with the external disc. Right. And uh, that works that works great until the house burns down. Right. Or, uh, or you know, like here, uh, we, we have uh, – a quote unquote data center. It's, you know, it's, it's our server room there. And, and we've got, uh, the main servers and then we've got, uh, a backup, uh, server and then we've got another backup server. So we've got three at this school backup servers all located about, uh, eight inches from each other. Right. <laughs> so, uh, we're really good against, uh, you know, uh, um, a digital failure of some sort. Um, and I'm pretty paranoid. I run everything in a RAID six array. Uh, for those of you who know uh, anything about that, RAID 6 means that uh, you can lose any two drives in the system and not lose any data. Not only not, only not lose any data, not go down. It'll right. keep functioning with two drives missing. Um, and so I have everything on a RAID 6 array, and then I have backup servers making copies of that. They're on RAID 6 arrays as well. And then I have another backup server backing up the backups. Um and so uh, everything is we're solid here. Everything is backed up and backed up and backed up. Um, but you know, a tornado comes through, and and we're from Texas. Those that happens once in a while, and knocks this building down, and, and we're gone. I'll right. be honest with you. Now at home, I have a little better uh, solution. I have um, uh, just my desktop machine, and then I have my laptops. Uh, plural, yes laptops I'm, I'm a geek um and then i have my 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 media computer all right i'm just gonna fess up in my living room alone there's like six computers that are running at any one time and then there's like three others throughout the house so that's just you know I'm oh a geek. yeah that's yeah do it yeah you don't ever like geek time out at all <laughs> <laughs> um and so i have all of that going back to my main machine and then i have an off-site backup and there's the kicker off-site backup is crucial but it's also difficult and nobody ever does it. Okay. Nobody's paying me to say this, but the offsite backup solution I use at home is called Carbonite. It's, uh, it's an inexpensive, uh, 60 something dollars a year, right. uh, setup. And they say it's an unlimited data. They'll back up whatever you want. Uh, but they kind of fudge the numbers about that because it's unlimited, but they choose what files they'll back up. They don't back up media files. They don't back up video. They don't back up audio. Uh, they back up, uh, they don't back up executables like, like your, uh, your program files directly. They won't do that. So, uh, you know, it's pretty much my documents, desktop. And you go in there and you can manually say, back this up, back this up, as long as it's not one of those band things like media. So, yes, technically it's unlimited bandwidth, but they limit it by saying no MP4s and, you know, no DVD rips and none of that stuff. Right. Um, so that's the system that I use for my backup at home. Uh, but here at my school, at this network that I'm in charge of, and yes, Chris, in the, in the chat room is talking about Dropbox. Dropbox is great, uh, but even the biggest Dropbox is, what, 50 megs? Um, you, you well, know, and you get more for referrals and things of that nature, and, of course, you can pay for more. That's what I'm saying. Um, even if you pay for it, I think the biggest you can pay for is 50, well, 50 gigs, not I, megs. I believe there 50 gigs. I, I thought there were some file size transfer limits on that as well. but. Um, I, I love Dropbox too, yeah. and definitely 
definitely have one. But yeah, uh, we have we have the free uh, Dropbox accounts, and then uh, we use uh, referrals as much as possible. In fact, uh, I will shamelessly uh, tweet out uh, my referral code, and oh, and anybody you who throw wants mine to out use, there too. I like I get <laughs> anybody, one for one or something. <laughs> anybody who wants to use Dropbox, uh, you'll get more space, and so will I. All right, so yeah, the chat room is telling me that it's a hundred gigs for the top paid, and and that's a lot, right? But in backup world, it's not. A hundred yeah. gigs isn't isn't a whole lot, and then you've got to run your own scripts of some sort to make sure that all gets backed up. Or, or actually, Dropbox. One of the nice, nice things about Dropbox is it syncs up automatically. You're just going to make sure everything is in your Dropbox folder. Yeah, that um, is beautiful. The the syncing and it's kind of like with X marks. You know, you can just access your Dropbox from uh, you know wherever. Uh, so that that I love that. Yeah. The downside though is everywhere you have Dropbox installed, it uses that much space. So if you're using a hundred gigs in your Dropbox then every machine you have Dropbox on, you've got to have 100 gigs available for it because it yeah. uh, it downloads them, it keeps them keeps them in both places, which is really cool. And it's also got a yeah. great web interface where you can go down, uh, go in there and access your files. It's got a great sharing interface. Again, uh, Dropbox isn't paying me. If you want to, Dropbox, if you're listening, yeah, want to throw I'm, some money our way? Yeah. I'm for sale. That's fine. Uh, Let's but, go uh, for the deep pockets because uh, i got to throw in the mix also is uh, Microsoft SkyDrive. SkyDrive is great in theory <laughs> but you there's no interface with uh, well first off is windows only mm-hmm. and so uh that throws out any mac people out there and all of us linux geeks uh dropbox i run on my linux machines and my windows machines and and uh it's it's great um skydrive only works on windows there's no uh explorer interface the only way to get files up there is to upload them through your web browser yeah and that that's very and it's a it's a really low Rough. size limit. It's like fifty megs. It's really small. The 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 you, storage? No, the the limit of the, the, the file, file size. size. Yeah, you're right. You get twenty five gigs, I think, of space. Yeah, you get. Um, uh, it might be more than that. You I, get. A, I think it might be fifty. You get a lot of space, but it has to be a bunch of tiny files. Yeah. I know. I looked at SkyDrive for uh, keeping our podcast episodes uh, up up there, and and I couldn't put up even just a single edited MP3. It they're all too big. Yeah, ours are. Um, and then I like to save the raw Audacity files too, and those are typically one to one point five gigs in size. And uh, the only place I could find online at all that would do that is called ADrive.com, and their interface isn't great either yeah. um there's there, there's just sort of a, a a hole in the market out there um that for for yeah mass really large, keeping file large sizes files and, and well and that's me SkyDrive. all i used it for was my photos right so i put my uh because dropbox wasn't large enough for for my photos so uh that was the one thing that even on my backup system at home the one thing that I really don't want to lose. Like I can lose everything else. I can lose my programs and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's going to be inconvenient, but it's my photos that I'm really freaked out about. And I put those up on SkyDrive and uh, didn't have any problems there. So uh, and had plenty of storage for it. So now, if you want to go the geek route and hope you don't get caught, you could pay for a hosting provider. There are <laughs> lots of hosting providers out there that say unlimited space, unlimited bandwidth. But I bet if you just start throwing zip files up there uh, every day, they'll they'll pay attention to that, and that unlimited will become limited, is my guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we're going to talk about uh, uh, a tool that I use that could meet this need, sort of. Uh, I wish if somebody out there knows of a really good um, home quality 
You know, something as easy as like Carbonite, like I mentioned, or Dropbox, that but that has the big space and doesn't cost a lot. You know, you know, one of the things that we often say here on the Taiwan Tech is it's not about free; it's about it's about cheap as well, and it's about uh, sure. doing the more with that. We're not afraid to pay for things, and and we pay for things all uh, every day here at our work and 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 on this this podcast. You know, we we buy things and we pay for services, so it's not it doesn't have to be free; it just has to be affordable. And and don't gouge me, right? Um, and you well, know, biggest bang for your buck. That's what we're looking for. Right. So, um, uh, those are, those are just some of the, uh, the things out there. And, uh, Chris in the chat room is asking about Amazon S3. I know of it. Haven't used it. Um, I know it's uh, basically you buy, uh, storage space and you buy bandwidth and, and you go from there. Uh, but I don't really know anything else about it other than that. I think I remember Leo Laporte talking about that as well. Yeah, I don't know. Wouldn't surprise me if he's using it. Um, but today, uh, the tool that we're going to talk about is called Backup PC, um, and that's uh, at backuppc.sourceforge.net. It's two Ps there, Backup PC. Um, several years ago, I'm, I'm no longer active on that list, but I used to be active on uh, a, a, a mailing list called the K12OSN for Open Source Now. Uh, and um, it was primarily the... Um, uh, Proving ground and and the the discussion ground for the Linux terminal server projects LTSP, uh, which is a, a really good project that uh, has been I've lost sight of it. I haven't been using it in a while. I followed it really really carefully there for a while, but it, it's a great project and it's probably something that we're going to cover here. It, it's a very tightwad worthy uh, project where you. Uh, um, Essentially, stream uh, a live Linux install over uh, the network to a dumb PC, and it works really well. And we used it uh, for a while here at school, but we've kind of gotten away from it. But there was this guy on there. His name was uh, Les Miskell, I think he was. Uh, Les, if you're listening, uh, I apologize for uh, butchering your name. But anytime anyone mentioned the word backup, he would just go on a rampage about backup PC and how it was the best thing ever. And um, and he did this month after month, year after year. And so finally I was like, okay, Les, you win. I'm going to go check it out. <laughs> and so I went and I read the website and I thought, this can't be true. They, they, it can't do everything they say it does. So I, I uh, fumbled with it a little bit, got it set up. And this was back in, in you know, uh, my early dealings with Linux. It, it took me a little while uh, to get it going. And then I became one of those raving lunatics. Every time somebody mentions backup, I have to throw backup PC out there. Uh, so just to tell you a little bit what it is, it's a, it's Linux based. So, um, you guys out there who just Linux averse, uh, go buy a neckbeard lunch and have him set it up for you. Uh, because it's not something you can do yourself. You need to have some familiarity, familiarity with Linux. But once you get that set up, the administration of it is all web based. And you don't really have yeah, to mess with it again. It's all point and click. Right. Yeah. And Sean has used it and probably wouldn't have even known it was based on Linux if I hadn't told him. No, not at all. Uh, it kind of uh, gives you the feeling of it's just a web interface, right. you know, with a bunch of links, but, uh, but the UI is, is just fine and it's intuitive and you can figure out what you're doing and what you need to do. And, uh, like you said, buy a neckbeard lunch and, you know, get it set up and then. It, it's wonderful. Right. And so um, it's a, a, a hard drive based. Now, lots of backup solutions are hard drive based now, but these guys were uh, sort of pioneering in that. And, and back in the day, I had 
uh, backup exec. Uh, you guys are going to recognize that if you've been in the business a while. Uh, Seagate backup exec. I don't think it's Seagate anymore. I think somebody else bought them out. Uh, but it was a tape drive. We had this uh, Hewlett Packard uh, digital audio tape uh, five bay drive uh, that had five different discs in it, one for every day of the week. Um, and it would go through and record. And I think the max it could hold was uh, 250 gigs on a tape, something like probably less. Um, that thing might still be over there in storage. <laughs> I've got two of them. I upgraded it at one point. Uh, uh, we had a small one, and then I upgraded to a bigger one. And and to get bigger, you couldn't just buy bigger tapes. You had to buy the whole drive and the whole mechanism. And it was robotic, and it, and it would it would do its whole thing. Um, and it was great, and it was very very expensive, multi thousand dollars. I think the 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 drive bay alone was like seven or eight thousand dollars. And then you had to put that into a system. And then you had to pay another uh, four or five thousand dollars for the software license. It was very expensive, um, but it was you know it was backup and and well yeah the manufacturers knew they had you over a barrel. Right, backup cost money and and uh, in the enterprise world uh, when I was you know I was still a burgeoning uh, tightwad, you, you just sort of accepted certain things. And one of the things that you accepted is backup is expensive. Um, along comes backup PC, makes backup not only cheap, it makes it free. Um, my first backup PC in, uh, installation was an old decommissioned server that had about a gig of, of storage on it. Now, a gig isn't much, but considering at the time I could only do about 250 megs, it was, you know, four times more than I had. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you set it up however you want to set it up. You set the machine up, um, uh, if you, if it's a big raid or if it's just a, bit, a collection of disks, however you want to do it, it, backup PC doesn't care. As long as, as long as Linux can see space, um, it's good with that. Um, and then, uh, since it's because it's hard drive, it's very very fast. Those of you you have ever used a tape thing, um, somebody would call me up and say, um, you know, I need this file restored, <laughs> and I would say, all right. And I would write down what they were looking for. Okay, when when was the last time you knew you saw it? Uh, and then they would tell me, and I would say, okay, I'll, I'll call you back later. All right. So then, you know, depending on how far back it was, I might have to go get that set of cartridges right. out of the safe. Because when they filled up every week or so, we'd pull those out and go put them in a safe. Uh, so I'd have to pull the, the cartridges out of the fireproof safe. I'd have to load it up to the machine. Then it would have to index it, which means it would have to play through the, each of the tapes once to see what was on it. Like an hour and a half later, it'd say, okay, now what did you want to do? Okay, yeah. I'm looking for this file. And it would go through, okay, I, I find this file. And then it would scan through from beginning to end of each tape. Until it found that file. And then once it found it, it would sort of unspool it off the tape and put it back where it was supposed to be. And for a single, you know, office document, it might take five hours for that whole process. That was not unusual at all. Well, and if it wasn't a critical enough uh, request, it was just no. Yeah, I'm sorry, I can't do that. <laughs> right. Yeah. But but all, not only that, but uh, because space was so limited at that time, uh, you only backed up the critical stuff. Yeah. You know, we didn't back up any student data. We didn't back up any teacher data. We only backed up a few core admins and then only a few specific files on theirs. Well, and they, this maybe jumps a little bit ahead here, but uh, it does speak a little bit to the product is now we've got, you know, well, Johnny wrote a, a document on, you know, 18th century uh, chariots, uh, you know, a couple of days ago. Can can you get that back for it? And we're backing that stuff up. Right. Yeah, now we back up. Terabytes, terabytes of junk, really. Yeah. Um, 
I know for a fact that there's a kid who has uh, probably a, a hundred megs or more of Nintendo 64 ROMs on our network <laughs> and an emulator, and we're backing those suckers up every night. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, or or the uh, well, now that they have GTalk, uh, they don't need that as much. But yeah, all the little uh, Word documents that were actually functioning right. as chat rooms. <laughs> um, so. Um, the very first day that I set up uh, Backup PC and the, and the first time I had cause to use it, uh, a teacher uh, called us uh, called us up, uh, called me up, and said, "I've got this file here that I need back." And I said, uh, "Okay, where is it? And and what's the name of it? And when did you see it last?" And while while she's answering, I'm filtering through the web, web interface of Backup PC, and I said, "Okay, check now." And she said, "What?" I said, "No, look right now. Look in the folder. It's there." What? <laughs> and so it's like, you know, seconds. Very quick, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we've got uh, now uh, a, gigabo- a gigabit backbone and, and uh, hard drives, you know, are so fast today they're practically instantaneous. And so now they actually get a little frustrated if they have to wait. You know, somebody calls up and says, I need this file restored. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm in the middle of something right now. Um, I'll, you know, I'll get to well, it in a few minutes. Yeah, because now it has the appearance of you just like – you know click your snap your fingers and there it is uh you know takes wizard to the whole you know another level there but and i want to diverge just a little bit and talk about uh, so in the backup strategies right there you got to make the difference the distinction between backup and archive okay uh what i used to do was archive i would take that tape down and i would put it uh, in the safe right and that was an archival copy um what we do now is we back up and and I think people miss the archive part. Um, and that's right. what the, that's really what the offsite is. You're not going to run a nightly offsite. Um, it's just too difficult. No, no matter how you do it, either bandwidth is too, uh, too restrictive or just the, the, the act of doing it. You know, yeah. I, uh, there's, at least now, right. There, there are ways to do it, but you, you keep your, your backups. Those are the things that, that are immediate and short term and, and our backup, uh, just space considerations, backup PC, um, We'll start overriding old data based on the configurations. You can say, you know, I want to always have at least three full backups, and then I want to always have at least five incremental backups, and then you figure out the rest. And as it starts running out of space, it it deletes things. So it works out so that basically, basically I can go about three weeks back. And, and that's as far as I can go. And if somebody calls me up and, and, uh, at the first of the year and says, I had this file, uh, at the, the end of the year last year, 10 weeks ago, I'd like to get it back. I tell them, no, uh, it's not an archival service. It's a backup. It's an oops, uh, eraser. Right. It's not a, a long time. We're not the Library of Congress. It's not, uh, an archive system. And, and, you know, different people have different policies, but that's, that's the, one of the things that you have to, uh, one of the decisions you have to make when you're setting up a backup policy is, you know, what do we back up? What do we archive? What's important enough for offsite? What is just the, you know, um, a functioning, an up and running backup so that, you know, 24 hours is, is, is old enough. Uh, you gotta make those calls. Anyway, back to backup PC. It does um, what at the time was pretty uh, revolutionary, and it's one of the coolest things that that I've ever seen. Um, it does what's called pooling. And let's say you're backing up a lab of 25 Windows XP machines. Okay. Okay. They all have the Windows XP files on them. All right, and most likely oh, they were imaged. Yeah. Most likely they were imaged, and they. Um, 
Yeah, have, they're going to have the same OS. They have the same, same version, same uh, office suite, and the same set of software, and and all that sort of stuff. Uh, and so, the backup PC is smart about, and it uses uh, in something in Linux called a symlink um, that you Windows people don't know. Um, anything about symlinks uh, because it just newly became available on, on Windows 7. But basically it says, um, okay, I need uh, ntloader.dll. And it looks at it and says, all right, I've already recorded that. I've already got a copy of that. I'm just going to make a link to that and know that this machine in this backup needs this file I've already got. And so it basically all those files, all those installations, the 25 copies of Windows XP are only get recorded one time. And then just link to every time thereafter. So in our uh, six terabyte array, we have hundreds of terabytes of data, quote unquote, um, stored because of the way it does its its pooling. Right. It only record re- uh, copies the file one time and then makes indexes and it's smart about uh, how it does it. So you can you can restore you can serve us. Wow. You can back up a lot more data than your drive can actually hold. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Now let's move on to, to the web interface. Sean uh, alluded to it earlier. It's all, uh, once you have it set up, and, and it is a little arcane, some of the configurations, you've got to dig through text files. It's very Linuxy in that regard. But once you have it set up, the interface is just a web page. Yeah, it's now, just PHP. Now, it is both secure and insecure in that uh, the way it communicates are, is over SSH uh, tunnels, and it's very secure in pulling its data down and, and pushing it all back and that sort of stuff. But if somebody has access to that web interface, everything is in clear text. It's just there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, when you're going through and you're doing your restore, you have the option to just restore the item right back to where it was, or download it, and it'll, it'll actually zip it up and give you a zip file that you can put on your desk. So you got to trust the people that have access to the machine. Yeah. Um, it's not secure in that way, and so it probably wouldn't meet some uh, security requirements at some larger uh, institutions. But the actual communications themselves are, are, are secured. Um, now, you don't have any clients on the, the end machine. It goes, it speaks, um, SMB for Windows machines and it speaks SSH for Mac and Linux machines. And it, uh, you, all you have to have is like an administrator password or a backup pass, uh, pass, password. Most networks will have a backup user. Sometimes it's named backup, sometimes it's not. Uh, in, in, in a Windows, uh, NT or Windows Active Directory domain, um, there is even a, a special privilege for backup, and the backup user can retrieve files but not change them or or even view them. It can just pull them down. And so, yeah, we have our backup set up to use that backup user, and then you just point it at the machine, and you say um, uh, admin office-03 uh, slash C dollar sign, which is the Windows thing that says the hidden share that's the C drive, yeah. go get all that stuff. And then it just does. Or if you've got a, a Linux box out there, you have to do some SSH key pairing. And this is all documented. If you don't know what an SSH key pair, uh, pair is, again, go find a bandana guy, uh, buy him a six-pack. He'll take care of it for you. Yeah, or set it up on a couple of test machines and just play with it, right? Yeah. I mean, um, how how'd you learn this, right? <laughs> <laughs> just documentation. It is right. very, very well documented. And and there's a chat room uh, and a forum that is very helpful. Um, and so, yeah, that's how I did it. Um, it uses uh, what's called rsync uh, in the Linux world, uh, remote sync. And so it 
if a file changes, it doesn't go read down that load that whole file. So let's say the students in our video editing class have this uh, four gig uh, document uh, movie that they've been working on, and they make edits of it. It doesn't go re-download the whole four gigs every night. It makes a checksum of the one on the the client. It makes a checksum of the files on the the server, and then it just compares the difference and only transfers the difference. So the data being pushed back and forth is actually pretty. Um, minimal. And there is also an rsync for Windows. So even on our Windows servers, I've installed rsync for Windows so that I get that same functionality. Now, just a, your regular uh, secretary's desktop probably isn't going to have that. So those backups are going to take longer uh, to go. And so, and you schedule, by the way, um, when your your hours are that you want it to back up and when you don't. And then it's really smart. Uh, it does a ping like every hour or so and says, okay, I've pinged this machine every night between midnight and 6 a.m. And for the last nine, night, it's, nine nights, it's always responded. I'm going to assume this is a machine that's always on, and I'm never even going to try to back it up during the day. Okay. And so it figures out when your machines are on and backs it up the best you can. However, if you have it set up to, say, only back up between um, 7 p.m. and 7 a.m., but it can never get a machine between those hours, um, it will it'll tell you, hey, this machine has never been backed up or hasn't been backed up for the last six weeks. It'll give you a little error message, and then you can go into that machine and say, all right, let that one back up during the day or, or however you want to do it. It's very customizable, very uh, straightforward, and did I mention free? <laughs> free and yeah. open source. And so I have, We like free. Between these two uh, robotic tape drives and the, the servers that they sat in and the uh, software that I put on it, it was easily $15,000 worth of backup gear that I chucked in favor of this free thing. Yeah. Now, as one of the things I've often said is I don't ever use anything because it's free. I try it out because it's free, and I use it if it's good. And so Backup PC was so much better than the Seagate Backup or the, the Backup Exec that I had been using that, that I chucked a person's salary <laughs> in favor of this, this base box now sitting over there in the corner. Now, what I would love to be able to do is take another Backup PC, bo PC box and set it out somewhere else off my network and have the Backup PC backing up the Backup PC yeah. And then, you know, then I'd have that offsite thing and it, it could do the R syncing and all that sort of stuff. And you could set that up. And that would be one of the cool things. Um, if our tightwad community could get together and say, Hey, ship me a box. I'll keep it on my network and give you a public IP address and, and, and you can back your stuff up on my network. And I'll ship you a box and you keep it on your network and give it a public IP address and I'll back up my stuff there. And if a flood ever eradicates your town, you know, it costs the shipping to ship that server back and you've got everything right there. Yeah, you're there. up and running the next day and we had, we had talked about that. That'd be one of those things that would be pretty darn cool. Uh, but because of that, uh, insecure web browser thing, you'd have to, you'd have to trust the people. You make sure they didn't have credentials, uh, to it. You know, make sure you use a strong password. It doesn't ever pass anything in the clear. It's all HTTPS. Uh, but that would be pretty neat. Um, and, and I'll tell you, if, if somebody wants to get in touch with me, I'll do that. I'll, I'll make room in my server room. We've got lots of bandwidth and here. Got, and we've got room in there. Yeah. And, and I'll, you know, I'll host some people, uh, in exchange for you hosting me. How cool would that be if the Taiwan Tech community got together and just 
distributed our data across the country and across the globe in that way. Well, I can, I can already, like, you can kind of hear the, or feel the collective, like, cringe of the, of the, the tech Nazi, right? The, (laughs) you mean my data is going off of my network? Yeah. Yeah. Those ones, sometimes we're maybe a little too progressive, but, but, uh, yeah, I mean, if you do it right, then, you know. Who cares? I mean, do you really think that somebody wants your data that badly? You know, uh, it's kind of funny. Uh, Mike, I think, or maybe Scott made that point uh, in last week's show that, uh, you know, who wants to read the, the teacher's email? Right, you know? right. You're worried about all this hacking. You know, who's going to care about those uh, um, Nintendo 64 ROMs that, yeah. that are that are being backed up? Right. And then there's other ones who make, you know, some valid arguments about the, uh, you know, there's some things that we're legally bound to keep protected. Right. But uh, I, I think you make a good point. If you're taking appropriate measures, then you're keeping it protected. So... So anyway, that, yeah. that would just be a pretty neat idea. Um, and that was uh, just sort of a, a quick rundown. Backup PC is so much more uh, than, than what I've just mentioned. But just think of it as um, like the best tape backup system in the world a thousand times faster and free. And there you go. Uh, yeah. So if any, it's enterprise. It's not something you would probably want to do at home. Oh, I didn't mention the installation. Um the Ubuntu people have taken the backup PC uh, code and put it in their repositories. Now, it works on all flavors of Linux, but if you're using Ubuntu, the installation is sudo apt-get install backup PC. Done. It's one line. Yeah, most and, and it's most installed. Linux uh, neckbeards, uh, sudo apt-get, they... They know I mean, what that means, they, yeah, right. Yeah, know that, yeah. Yeah, so um, so if you're, yeah, and again, this is, uh, we, we made this point several times. If you are a classroom teacher, this probably means nothing to you. Uh, carbonite is what you're going to want to look at for home. Right. Uh, but for, for you guys who are in the data data, sir, uh, data room and are, are, are uh, data center, there you go, Yeah. and are in charge of that sort of thing, um, that's what you want to look at. That's... Um, it's it's that easy to set up. It's it's literally a one line command. Well, let me rephrase that. It's that easy to install. Yeah, you've got all the configuration. The, the setting up is a lot easier. Now, somebody asked, uh, uh, what uh, what kind of resources does it take? Um, when I first set it up, it was on uh, an Intel Pentium five, um, which I don't even know. That was before like the the 686. All this, so it was just an old uh, thing with like a a gig of RAM. It doesn't take much. It was like a gigahertz processor with with uh, a gig of RAM or something, and it ran just fine. Now the only real mathematical computations it ever does is calculating those rsync values when it says, you know, do I want to pull this whole file or 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 just parts of the file. So it doesn't take much juice at all to run it. Um, in fact. Any server, like you, you go to Dell or, or, you know, anybody you can buy a server from, pick the bottom of the list, but buy a refurb somewhere that is off lease <laughs> somewhere and it's going to have too much power. It's yeah. going to have more because you can't buy a single core processor anymore. Yeah. You can, they don't exist. Everything is dual or quad cores, you know, out there. So, um, yeah, in terms of processing power and RAM, you don't need much at all. It, uh, Apache to run the web app and that's about it. Yeah. What you need is bandwidth. So, uh, we've got four NICs on ours, four gigabit NICs because when it starts backing up, it's pulling a ton of data across that uh, that network 
uh, backbone. And so the more bandwidth you have, the faster it'll back up and, the, and, and also the faster it'll restore. So you need a big chunk of hard drive. Uh, a RAID array is definitely the way to go. Uh, and then you need a lot of network uh, capacity, a bare minimum, a single gigabit card. But uh, we have, like I said, we have four, and they're all trunked together, and it's using it because you, you need uh, a lot of bandwidth to, to make it all go. Uh, but in terms of the processor itself, you don't need need much at all. And once it's set up, and once you've got your clients in, because people don't generally change what they back up that often. You know, you have this administrator machine that I know I need. You have this server that you that I know I need, and um, and then that's it. And so the the day to day administration of it is almost non existent. Yeah, we rarely look at it, and even when we do look at it, it's to fulfill a request for something. Right. Yeah. This is something that got erased or. Um, you know, I add a new server or a new VM, something like that. I want to add that. VMs are perfect uh, because we do everything as, as much as possible in VMs. And they're perfect for this sort of thing because it really is just one file. That uh, that virtual hard disk right. is all you care about. The VM itself, the, the descriptor file, you can rebuild those a thousand times an hour. Yeah. It's that, that thing. So you just, instead of pointing it at the files in the virtual machine, you just point it at that file that lives on the VM server. And have it back that up. And so that's everything that's on that server right there. And again, because it's using rsync, it's not going to change. It's not going to pull that whole file down every night. It's only going to pull the changes. So I just rambled through that rapid fire and, and, and probably stumbled all over myself the whole time. But uh, that's a, a look, a, a glimpse of backup PC. And um, it's just, it's one of those things that, uh, like Fog and, and like recently Spiceworks, once I found it, I was like, I can't believe I didn't know about this before. Where has this been right. all my career? Well, and I guess that's really all you really need to say is, uh, you know, check it out because it is really awesome, you know. All right. And so I've talked enough. While I take a break, we're going to let Sean do the teacher tip of the week. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's good. Yeah, Mark's over there sweating. I think <laughs> You did run through backup PC pretty quick. That was pretty good. Uh, let's see. Okay. So uh, let me get past the tech tip here. Okay. Teacher tip of the week. This just, uh, came to me this last week. So <laughs> it's pretty appropriate that it's the tip of the week. Uh, compfight.com, C-O-M-P-F-I-G-H-T.com. And, uh, what this is, it's, it's basically an image search engine. So, uh, you go there, you get a very basic page that has a, uh, you know, a little search bar in it. And uh, you can just search any term like you would on Google. Now, the thing about compfight.com is it, it actually gives you some options to apply some Creative Commons filters. And uh, so uh, what you get are just, uh, well, things that are supposedly Creative Commons. I uh, just did a search for puppies, and I'm looking at 16 pages of puppy pictures. Yeah, there's plenty. Um, uh, what I do, That's one of the nice functionalities is that ability to turn that off and on. Uh, most of, uh, in kicking the tires when I was using it, uh, most of the images, uh, come down off of Flickr. So maybe that's how they're verifying that they're Creative Commons because Flickr has that capability built in. Um, so it's a great site if you want to go out there and look for this type of stuff, uh, especially if you're a teacher and you're constantly looking for images to work in or have your students be able to use. Um, I would just say one, uh, I can't really speak to exactly how Comp Fight is, is, 
verifying that these things are all Creative Commons. Uh, looked for, uh, you know, just anything through their uh, website that explained uh, how it was they were verifying that. I couldn't find anything. But uh, but I do feel pretty good about the ones that are actually hosted on Flickr because uh, once you go to that actual image, you're on the on the Flickr site. And uh, on Flickr, the right-hand side, uh, about probably two-thirds of the way down, you get a link to to the copyright information or the, uh, uh, you know, the license for that particular image. So you can get right there. You can verify exactly how you can use those images. And, uh, so it's just a nice place to get a good filter on images that you can use. Uh, so, uh, check that out. Compfight.com. Looks pretty cool. I'd never heard of it, uh, until just today. And, uh, yeah, it's a uh, very high res images and, uh, the thumbnails are nice and it's, it's a lot less, um, what's the word helter skelter than doing a google image search when you do a google image search you never know what you're going to find yeah these seem to be a little bit more appropriate uh to what you're actually searching for uh maybe it's just more simplistic uh but you know i'll I'll also detract that uh it is uh not as snappy as a google search so you're going to put in your search term and click the button and it's you know it's going to work for a few seconds (laughs) what a ridiculous internet world that we live in where a five second wait is just unacceptable right yeah you click search and you know two seconds later you're like is this thing working (laughs) why why isn't this done google wrote to turn this in 0.03 seconds right but uh, definitely worth worth a look. And if you're uh, constantly looking for images to use in, in projects or uh, have students use or anything else, uh, go check it out, compfight.com. That's a good one. And then my tech tip of the week is uh, both a utility and a website. It's uh, drivermax.com. And uh, there are all sorts of sites out there that will help you download drivers. You know, there's driver guide and, and all these sort of things where you can go in there and people will, will uh, post drivers and, and you can find them. What uh uh, drivermax.com is is it lets you back up your own stuff now this is one of those things that again once we found it it was like oh my gosh this is so much easier than the way i used to do it yes so before you go to um uh image a machine or or hose it in any way before you touch it Download DriverMax onto it, and DriverMax will go and find every driver on that machine from the video card driver to the the sound card driver to even the mouse driver, even the most arcane things, the the chipset drivers that, that yes. everything else always misses, the, the USB port drivers. It finds all of those things and saves them into a directory structure anywhere you want. So you pointed right. at, we pointed out uh, a thing on our network, on our big server, and it, it goes out there and, and it just saves it. And then you give it whatever name you want. This is uh, uh, Lenovo Model X43 before I messed with it. That's what you name it. Right. And it goes out there and, and it just dumps all that stuff there. And you can go one step farther and you can push it up to the driver max website your website it's not that everybody sees it but it's you so that you can log on somewhere else and have access to all your drivers um and yeah. not be bombarded by a billion ads and, right and 30 things saying click here to restore your drivers and only one of those actually does that. <laughs> oh man that's annoying um and but you can only do 20 computers on their website per email address uh so you know 
we're geeks. We have lots of email addresses anyway, sure. right? Uh, so, but if you need more than 20, but we don't push most of ours up to their website. We do almost all of it locally. And so we just have this, this place on our server where we have, what do you say, Sean? 30 probably now different hardware sets of, of drivers that we've put up there. Oh yeah. Easily. Cause yeah. you start to get into, uh, different operating systems and cause we've got drivers on there for Windows 2000. Right. <laughs> and so at any time, uh, before you go to mess with the machine before you do anything else run driver mechs on it let it take the current state of the drivers that work and then and and save that then you reload your windows for example format the partition reload windows load driver mechs on it again and say take all of these drivers in this folder and install them right now my understanding, you've used it more than I have, is it's not automatic. You've got to go one by one to reinstall those drivers. No, it, it's automatic. Oh, even uh, better. Yeah, what it does is uh, when you install it on the machine that you're trying to do a recovery on uh, or you've done a fresh installation of Windows on, uh, you bring up driver max and uh, you point it at, at the directory where you've saved the, the drivers and it'll scan that directory much like it does when it scans the computer the first time. And it's going to bring you back a list with checkboxes of these are all the drivers. And uh, by default, I mean, it doesn't even make you check the checkboxes. By default, they're checked, you know, uh, but it has a select all or unselect all button. And uh, and then it's just restore. I mean, it's it's a couple of clicks. All your drivers are restored. Um, and it, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. So yeah, if you've ever been the me that has to sit there and try and track down drivers sometimes for days, uh, driver max is the way to go. First thing we do, we pop a computer out or a new hardware set out of the box. Uh, we run driver max and we push a fresh image of it up. And, uh, that way, you know, you're going to always have everything you need. So yeah, if you're, if you've ever been stuck in driver hell and you're like, I just need, if I can just get the Nick driver, maybe I can go download everything else, right? right. That's, that's the first thing, right? You always got to get that network card driver and that's always the most obscure one. Yeah. For some reason, that's the one that's always the hardest <laughs> to find, especially if it's wireless. You know, oh, if, you're, yeah. if you're not, Forget not in a place it. where you can plug in easily or a laptop. Your, your right. toes. So, uh, yeah, we put all these things. You, uh, before you touch some, your grandma's machine, put all this on your USB drive. Yeah. And then you, you've got the, all the drivers that worked. And, and it's a wonderful thing. Um, and so there you go, drivermax.com. All right. And so I, I guess that uh, wraps it up. Uh, thank you. Thank you for you guys that were listening to the live stream and uh, participating in the chat room. Um, right, it's too bad we didn't have like some special badge to give them like first time chatters or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be interesting. So, uh, you know, as they always say in customer service, if there's something you don't like, uh tell us. If there's something you do like, tell everybody. So, um that's what we're going to ask you guys to do. If if there's something about this show that you don't like, let us know. If there's something that you do like, tell everybody else and uh you guys can be our our marketing army out there. So, Absolutely. those of you the handful of people I think uh, according to Ustream, we had 11 uh, people log on at one point. Um, don't know how many of those were refreshes of the same three people. I don't know. Uh, but uh, you guys got a sneak preview. And so uh, uh, Thursday when the show comes out, you don't have to listen. You can uh, 
move on to the next thing in your your podcast stream. And so if you want to join us next week, uh, our plan, uh, uh, Bambino permitting, um, right. will be that we will be here again uh, next week at uh, around 4 p.m. Central Time, uh, where we will be talking uh, about our next uh, um, Google Apps uh, too. Google Apps episode. We'll be talking about uh, uh, classroom into implementations of Google Apps. And so, uh, yeah, we look forward to it. The last couple of weeks, I've uh, ended the show with saying "Go Cowboys," and um, uh, it hasn't been working out too well for me. They're zero and two, <laughs> so I'm going to keep my mouth shut this week. Uh, no, no, go right ahead. Go right ahead. <laughs> and so I'll just say, uh, find us over at uh, thetightwadtech.com, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com/slash/thetightwadtech, or at twitter.com/slash/thetightwadtech. And so for now, this is just Mark signing off. And Sean, signing off.